This afternoon, I proclaim to you God's word as we confess it in Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45. This is a section of prayer in the last part of the Catechism about our thankfulness. Lord's Day 45, question and answer 116, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's prayer? And then follows the well-known Lord's prayer as we'll also um, pray that at the end of this worship service. Brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to him. I read recently that the cell, the cell phone is 45 years old. A lot of us couldn't imagine life without our phone, our cell phone. You keep in touch with others at all times, no matter where you are. We use them to talk or to message each other. And nowadays, we even have the idea that other people should be available to us always and everywhere, too. When you try to contact someone and you don't get an answer, you, you get kind of irritated. Maybe you leave a message, but you actually want to communicate right away. This, I need an answer right now. What's wrong? They're doing as if I don't exist anymore, you might ask yourself. And you know, you can have that with prayer too. You call on God, but it seems as if there's no answer. Come on, God. Where are you? You leave a message, and now you have to wait. If you're fortunate over time, you notice that he replies. But often it seems that you don't get the answer you asked for or any, you don't notice any answer at all. And you wonder, does he answer prayer or not? Well, Lord's Day 45 can help us understand something about that, I believe. And we'll think about the need for prayer as confessed in answer 116 of this Lord's Day. And then we'll think about the hearing of our prayer as we confess that in Question and answer 117. And I proclaim to you then, 
What we confess in Lord's Day 45 with this theme, daily contact with God through prayer, why it's necessary, and secondly, how God hears. First of all, the first part then is why prayer is necessary. How many times a day do you pray? You too, boys and girls. How many times a day do you pray? Well, I'm pretty sure at meal times. But maybe also first thing in the morning when you wake up and you open your eyes and you see the sun. And then you can pray. And I'm sure at night before you go to sleep, your parents, boys and girls have taught you to pray before you go to sleep. And brothers and sisters, maybe, maybe you pray at certain times, but random times too. Maybe when you're behind the wheel in the car, in your mind, a whole prayer to God is a beautiful thing. We all know that we need to pray, right? And we talk to God who promised to take care of us. He, we have his promises. We have contact with him every day if things are right. And that contact is normal for Christians, right? It's normal. Sadly, though, it isn't always, is it? We don't automatically pray. We easily forget to pray or neglect to pray. We let it slide. Think of the evening prayer before you go to sleep. How many people don't drift off to sleep during or even before they pray? And young people can find it difficult to make time for prayer in their busy lives. So many things to do, so many people to contact. Things have to be done at the last minute. So it's good to have also specific times to pray during the daytime. Daniel did. He had specific times. We know three times a day that he bowed in prayer toward Jerusalem. But that doesn't mean that those were the only three times he prayed every day. He prayed with his face to the ground, facing Jerusalem. That helps too if you take a humble position for prayer, like on your, on your knees, with your head bent or so, hands folded. The thing is, though, that it's so important to set time aside every day to pray. Otherwise, all kinds of things like work, study, social appointments tend to want to take over and leave you without the time to pray. And God loves to have daily contact with his children, with you, that you talk to him because you're his child. So prayer is daily contact with God, and you need it. That's what the Bible says. God says too, Psalm 50, call on me. Talk to me. Tell me what's on your heart. And there are so many examples of people calling on God in the Bible. A lot of the Psalms are 
actually prayers, if you notice, you pay attention, they're prayers. And the Apostle Paul started a lot of his letters with a prayer. I thank my God whenever I remember you, he writes at the beginning of the letter to the Philippians. And the Lord Jesus prayed often in the Gospels. Sometimes he prayed a whole night long, if we can imagine that. Sometimes we have a hard time filling five minutes with prayer, but he prayed a night long. He could not do his regular without his regular contact with his Father in heaven. He couldn't do his work without that contact. We read, we read together the prayer of Daniel in Daniel 9. Remarkable prayer. Daniel wasn't guilty himself of the sins which caused Israel to be led in exile in Babylon. He was, maybe, he was maybe 14, 15 years old when he was brought to Babylon. And when he prayed, he was around 85 years old. But he feels himself part and parcel of the people of Israel. He identifies himself with the Old Testament church as a whole. And you hear him in his prayer identifying himself also then with the sins of the Old Testament church, the Old Testament Israel. He confesses Israel's sins to God and he begs for forgiveness. He calls on God to remember his promises because Daniel had read the Bible carefully. Also the prophecies of Jeremiah. God would let Jerusalem be desolate for 70 years, he said. And then he would bring his people back. And Daniel pleads then, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act for your name's sake and for the sake of Jerusalem and your house there in Jerusalem. And Daniel's prayer has all the elements that belong to prayer. Praise, thanksgiving, petitions, confession of sin, pleading for forgiveness. So you see here that in his life, Daniel had this living relationship with God. Contact, regular contact with God. How often didn't he pray to God there over his time in, in Babylon? For instance, when he was called to interpret dreams for the king, for Nebuchadnezzar and so on. He prayed. Regular contact with his God. Deep reverence and respect for God. And he also felt free at the same time to remind God of the covenant relationship he had established with Israel. You are the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. See, if you love someone, you talk with them. Imagine that you, you know, as a young person, you're going out with someone, but you never say anything to him or her, or just a few things that relationship would kind of die out fairly quickly, wouldn't it? But if there's love, there's two-way communication going on all the time. And the Bible often compares the relationship between God and us to the relationship between a man and his wife. 
If a relationship between a husband and a wife is good, then their communication is going to be alive. They're going to communicate back and forth, right? Often they talk just small things like who they met, what they said, and so on. But that's the important thing in their communication, that they talk about everything on their minds and in their hearts and what happened to them during the day. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you as his children. We can tell him what our day was like, what we did, how we felt. God wants to hear that. God is interested in what's going on in your life and in your heart. What you enjoyed out of his hand. Thank you, Lord. Your birthday. Thank you. Your sorrow. That sinful habit you struggle to overcome. God wants to hear those things from you. Your struggles and sorrows too. He listens. And then he takes you by the hand. And he leads you to the light of Jesus Christ. He will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those who seek them from him. He knows everything already because he is God. But he wants to hear you how much you want it from him. What he promised you and how you feel about it. Like a parent who knows what happened but still wants to hear from their child. Wants to hear their child express it all. That's what makes a relationship alive, makes it close, makes it intimate, loving. So God, from his side, established a love relationship with you. And you can think here of your baptism. He adopted you in love as his child in Jesus Christ, promised to take care of you as father, to guide you. So he wants to hear you talk about those things then. To ask for him to deal with you according to his promises to you. Loves to hear his children call on him to do as he promised in Christ. That shows that they trust him. That they look up to him. That they love him. That makes the relationship two-way. A relationship of love. He promises, we ask. And then there has to be that two-way communication in a real love relationship. Imagine that God would only speak to you as he does in his word, and you never said anything back. It has to be two-way love. When you listen carefully to God's word, you also realize that you often grieve God with your sins and sinfulness. And then you see again, too, every time how he gave you a way out of the burden of your sin in his son, Jesus. And then you're going to ask him for his grace and forgiveness in Christ every time again, day after day. And then you're going to beseech him for his spirit to live in you, to renew you as promised. And that's how it's put in answers 116. You ask for the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. God loves to hear that request for his grace and spirit. He promises forgiveness and renewal. But those things don't, will not come to you just automatically because you're a child of God. No, 
He wants to hear us ask for his grace and spirit in particular. And that shows how much your heart is set on him if you ask for those things. And then by his grace, he washes away all our sins. We can trust that. And by the Holy Spirit's power, we're given the strength to fight against our sins, which come back every time again. Bad temper, slothfulness. The Holy Spirit promised at our baptism to renew us daily. The daily renewal of our lives till we're finally presented among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Wonderful, beautiful, powerful promise. In spite of the fact that we still fall so often, the Spirit promises to help us get up and go on so that we live more and more for God. And you want to grow in that, don't you? Well, God loves it when you ask for the Spirit to work in your heart and life. And when you see some progress in that, he loves it when you give thanks to him for that. Thank you, Lord, that I can get on with my life in this area. Asking and thanking go together. The one brings to the other. So, the thing is, we need that daily contact with God. Pray without ceasing, the Apostle Paul writes. But if you know God's love and love him for his grace, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't even want to stop praying, right? Oh, yes, there might be times when you don't see a way out of your troubles or the way you feel. You feel so far away from God. And then it can be hard to pray. Or when, when you're overwhelmed with sorrow, grief, it can be hard to express yourself to God anymore. You just can't find the words. But you can tell God that too. That it's so deep, you have a hard time expressing it. You can just simply say, Lord, help me, please. And the Spirit intercedes for you with words too deep to understand. There may also be times when things are going so well for you that you forget to pray. No big problems, good income, happy relationships, and so on. Everything's going fine. Then we especially also need to pray, thanking him for the good things and the good times. But that can be a problem that we forget to thank our good God. But that belongs to the living relationship with him too, doesn't it? Thanking. What if a husband or wife never thanked one another for good things they do for each other? What if they never expressed gratitude for the other? No, their, their love shows in their gratitude for and with one another. So in our relationship with our covenant God, daily contact with God in all circumstances and situations, that's so necessary for us to stay close to him in heart and life, to have a living relationship with him. Pray daily, and that takes work, and it takes practice. God loves to hear us talk to him, speak to him, reach out to him. It's a sign that the love relationship from our side to him is real. He loves it when we show that we care about him, 
that we want him in our life, that we seek what he promised us, that we hold that high. Lord, this above all else, please work that in my life. And then he answers too. And that's our second, the second part of the sermon this afternoon, how God hears our prayers. How should we pray? Answer 117, the Catechism Congregation gives a nice guideline for a prayer that pleases God and is heard by him. Three things, like a, almost like a checklist. But the Catechism isn't giving us a checklist here, like a list of things you have to take along on when you go on vacation. No, these three things are about a relationship, remember? A relationship with God. This is about our daily contact with the God who has declared his love for us at our baptism already. We in turn lift our hearts and declare our love to him. That's the first thing mentioned in answer 117 then too. That we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all he has commanded us to pray. Congregation, you realize that we call on him as our father in heaven and we thank him for his fatherly care for us every day and we seek his care then. We ask him to take care of us. We trust him. Also with our children, children leave home, we entrust our children to him. Hold them in his eternal hands, especially when we have the feeling that we can't deal with things anymore. We call on our God from the heart to carry us in those almighty hands of his. And we ask for forgiveness of our sins too. Have you ever considered that you can call on the Lord Jesus too? Specifically for mercy and forgiveness, ask the Lord Jesus. Address him. We sang one of the hymns. This more we sang this morning addresses Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for for that you, God's eternal Son, came into this world to die for my sins on the cross. And that you now work at God's right hand to keep me in the redemption you obtained for me. And that you send your angels to keep me. Thank you for giving me such a glorious hope for the future. See, you can pray to the Lord Jesus like that. Jesus. Think of the prayer of the martyr Stephen in Acts 7 as the stones rained on him. He was dying. Lord Jesus, he prayed, receive my spirit. And, congregation, we can pray to the spirit to fill us. Have you considered that you can pray to the Holy Spirit too? Usually we ask the Father to grant us the strength of the Holy Spirit, send him into our hearts. But in specific situations, you can also ask the Holy Spirit himself to work mightily in your heart, especially in a struggle with sin. It's not wrong to ask him to work in your heart. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to stay on the good way of the word. Give me insight and courage to walk in the truth as you promised at my baptism. And you can think here, for instance, of hymn 82, which 
we'll sing after the sermon in stanza three. It says, O Holy Spirit, precious gift, thou comforter unfailing from Satan's snare, our souls uplift. You see, we, we usually pray to the Father and through him we ask for the work of the Son and the Spirit. But it's also possible to specifically ask the Spirit to do his work in your heart, to renew you. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, promised at our baptism. What a glorious, gracious God we have, creator, savior, and renewer. He's everything to us. The God who made us his own, promised himself to us in baptism, loves his children more than we know, or more than earthly fathers could even begin to love their children. He watches over us in all our daily activities and travels. And you can talk to him about your joys and struggles and fears every day at any time, walking along, looking at his wonderful creation. You can praise him, thank him. You can talk to him when you're busy at home, dealing with your children, when you're frustrated with your job, when you're worried about an exam at school, when you're struggling with certain habits in your life. There are times when we feel so alone and insignificant, but the triune God is there with his love. He promised. You can communicate with him. And he always hears you. Yes, he always hears. And that's the third thing mentioned in answer 117. We must rest on this firm foundation. We confess there that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. He will certainly hear our prayer. Congregation, we never have to doubt that God hears us when we call on him from our hearts. We have good, solid reason to believe that he does because Christ died for me. How could God refuse us in Christ. If we didn't have Jesus Christ, there'd be a thousand reasons not to talk to God and to expect him to hear us. But because of Christ's satisfaction and intercession for us, we can have confidence to approach God's throne of grace. If we come to God with Christ, he cannot turn away our prayer. He will certainly hear us as he has promised. Well, some of you might be thinking, that sounds very nice in practice, but sometimes it works out pretty differently. I prayed over and over again that I might find better and more satisfying work, but it hasn't happened. I seem to be stuck where I am. I can't get ahead. I prayed over and over again that our marriage relationship would get better over time, but it hasn't happened. I prayed so often with tears that God would let my child Return to the promises he or she received at baptism and worship with us again. But there has been no change, only drifting farther and farther away. And the questions can multiply. Is there something wrong with my prayers? Are my prayers not long enough, not intense enough? Is my heart not right before God? Not easy congregation to find answers to those questions. And let me say right away, I don't have answers to a lot of those questions either. 
Because don't forget, God has reasons for doing what he does which are way beyond what we can fathom. He sees the big picture of everything and he knows all the little details and the connections also of each of our lives where he wants to bring us. And then he can answer prayer completely differently than when he expected or hoped. And here you can think of Joseph, for instance. Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers. And he ended up in Egypt. And then he ended up in prison for something he didn't do. He only saw much later that God had been steering his life over all those years and in all these things in the best possible direction all along. But at the time, he wouldn't have grasped that at all. Why am I in slavery now? Why does God now let me be thrown into prison just when things were going kind of decent for me again? And yet God was still working everything out for his good and the good of his family and the good of his church. Our understanding of where things are headed with us is really very limited. But we don't have to know everything either. And that's the point. We don't have to know it all. We can trust that God will deal with us according to his promises in Christ. That he will work totally everything in every little detail for the good of those who love him. Also when we have to deal with incredibly sad things. Or when we end up with problems that never go away. In those things too we can trust he's working for us. And because of Christ. Because of Christ. And the Holy Spirit works through that too. To bring us further in our faith and our holiness before God. That working for our good remains even if God works out his promises to us a lot differently than we hoped or expected. And we can trust that God is working out things for our good, for our ultimate and complete salvation. Because someone once said too, if God didn't do one small thing he promised in his word in Christ, then the whole universe would cave in. Sometimes God may have to put us to the test to see how serious we are about something we pray for or about our relationship with him. He wants us to keep asking, and that's not wrong. He doesn't think we're whining if we repeat a request even year after year after year. As long as we ask him to do as he promised, like Daniel did. Daniel remembered that God had promised to return to Jerusalem after 70 years. And he pleaded with God to do as he promised. Daniel received an answer right away via an angel. That will most, most likely not happen to us today, right? But in sending that angel to Daniel, God shows us that he does answer the prayers of his people. We learn that from this passage. He's God on high. We can't understand everything he does. 
But this we know from the word of God. He always answers prayer in his time, his way, and as is good for us. Maybe that sounds like a, you know, a little bit of a lame ex explanation. It may not satisfy some, but for many, it's, it's the sufficient answer to all the questions you might have. Just trust that he has it in hand. He hears. He'll deal with it. We can leave it with him. And that's something we can and need to accept. That he answers our prayers. And if we accept that, we'll find peace and contentment in every circumstance. As the Apostle Paul did when he wrote his letter to the Philippians. He wrote, he had learned to be full and to be hungry. To abound and to suffer. And still be content. He could do that because he trusted that God, for the sake of Christ, was working for his good in everything. Sometimes, congregation, God gives insight into the good of something years later. You, you wonder why not or why this, and years later, then you can put it, start putting it together a bit. God took care after all. He blessed in spite of missing out on that better job, in spite of the marriage troubles that I went through, in spite of the difficulties brought on by a special needs child, ultimately, all our struggles and difficulties aren't going to be removed in this life either. And that's because God gives them to us to keep our hearts focused on him, and set on the perfection he promised in the future. And in the hope of that future, we can direct our prayers to God's warm heart. Like Daniel did near the end of his prayer. O oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. O oh my God. And if we call on God from the heart like that, then his heart is filled with love. By our prayer he hears you can be certain and he will work for good you can be sure always in everything and then we can accept that as truth too even if we don't see it now amen